welcome and a massive hello. It's been a tough couple of weeks for everyone concerned throughout the world because of COVID-19. But thankfully, we are coming to you on the airwaves. It is Hockey 24-7. A bit of a break, uh, understandably so, but we are back up and running. And uh, as always, I've got my main man not alongside me because, of course, social distancing. We've got to keep that in mind. Uh, He's safely tucked away in his bed at home, I'm happy to say. Tyron Jabu Barnard. Tyron, uh, how are you keeping amidst the madness? Yeah, Derek, yeah, good to have you back. It was a bit lonely in Durban having to chat to some people without you. Um, I have to use all my personalities at once, which is (laughs) not always my favorite thing. But uh, no, it's it's good stuff. And and obviously we were on the the precipice, so to speak, of some really exciting hockey things that were happening. And then all of a sudden the rug has been pulled out for now. Uh, People's safety has to come first and, and the right decisions have been made. Uh, even before the lockdown with all the cancellations. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very different time we're sitting on. But there may not be hockey going on in the field, but at least we can still talk about hockey because uh, there's still lots of hockey that should come back to us and lots of hockey that obviously has taken place. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and if anything, this is the most critical, a critical aspect of uh, sports coverage now. I mean, uh, both you and I work in the sports industry as well. Uh, you very much, uh, uh, it's second nature to you, but uh, hockey, uh, it's not alone in terms of sports having uh, been pulled off the field. Uh, it's affected every single sport on the planet. And um, if anything, people looking to get their fixes, uh, this is where you need to get it. Uh, in terms of podcasts, where you can get behind the scenes with players, get interviews with coaches, etc. Because, it's certainly not going to happen on the field anytime soon, unfortunately. No, unfortunately not. I mean, we obviously formally have the uh, postponement of the Olympic Games by another year. Um, a year and one day later, they will start. And, uh, you know, that was the big focus from an outdoor hockey point of view. It, it creates a very interesting dynamic that the Olympics and World Cup will be within 18 months of each other which that never happens. So, so that's going to be a new dynamic to, uh, to challenge stuff. And of course, you know, from the indoor side, we don't know what's going to happen with the African Cup. Uh, it currently is awaiting further further instruction from African hockey. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with the Junior World Cup qualifier. So right now, I think that's not the most important thing. I mean, we obviously want to know how people feel about it and stuff like that. But Probably the most important thing is we just want all these players that have entertained us and, and bring such joy to our, our homes and our hearts when we watch the game of hockey. We want them to be healthy and strong so that when um, the country or the planet starts to heal itself and, and sports and hockey in specific, uh, in particular here, so it continues that we get to see these top athletes back back on the, the AstroTurf for us. Yeah, completely agree. Now, you're in Joburg, I'm in Joburg, and our special guest is, jo- is in Joburg. But of course, we're not together, as explained a little earlier, and, and that will be the case uh, for the next couple of weeks, if not months, uh, uh, so to speak. So, so we're still waiting to see how this develops. But without further ado, Tyron, tell us, who are we going to be speaking to uh, this evening? Yeah, so another Joburg person, as, as you said, who finds herself a couple of kilometers away from, from near me, uh, near University of Johannesburg, uh, 267 caps, which is frankly unbelievable. And uh, a double Olympian and would have probably been a triple Olympian in a few months' time. It is the one and only Lisa Dietlis. Hi, Karen. Hi, Derek. <laughs> Thanks for having me on the show. Absolute pleasure, Lisa. Uh, firstly, how are you handling this period of madness? Um, It has been a bit tricky, I won't lie. Um, You know, being cooped up in your house and not being able to do much. Um, But, you know, you have to try just make best with what you have. So a lot of skipping happening to try to keep fit. And I'm I'm fortunate enough to have a treadmill, so I'm not going as crazy as the rest of my teammates. Um, But, yeah, just try and stay active, um, keep the mind busy with a lot of video as well, and just try not to stagnate too much. Yeah, I actually have a treadmill too. I, I discovered it about a week ago underneath uh, all the clothes that was being used uh, as a clothes hanger for a very, very long time. I, I'm glad to see that uh, it does still work. I found that out a couple of days ago. But uh, yeah, it, I am the envy of a lot of people in my complex, especially since my complex 
closed off the fact that we could walk around the area, um, which, uh, yeah, it's getting stricter by the day. And and for me, it, it is pretty tough. But I can imagine for a professional sportsman, it, it, it must be on the verge of insanity for, for you, being unable to physically train day in, day out. No, definitely. Um, that's just that we've been on such strict schedules, training schedules and intense training schedules that now this change and the sudden change has been quite um quite daunting I think to all of us. We are just having a, a, a group chat the other day saying how it's impacted every single one of us in different ways. Um but yeah for me like I said I'm 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 just trying to stay on the focus uh, on the positive, sorry, focus on the positives and um yeah, just make best of the situation and, and hopefully it, it it's you know it will end soon. Um of course, safety and, and, and health comes first. So we'll have to see how everything transpires over the, over the next few weeks. And, I mean, Lisa, obviously you guys were in the midst of a program. You've been down in yeah. Town training and, and playing against China. And uh, we were set for an action-packed uh, action march in April. Ireland, Great Britain, uh, China, Japan. It was, it was going to be hockey like we haven't seen in a long time in South Africa. Um, yeah. And obviously, mentally, you guys were at a, at a place where you were preparing for this. And then you hear, rightfully, that um, that the Olympics have been uh, postponed. How does that affect uh, the mental side of your game? Or, well, your approach, everything. Yeah, no, of course. I think it was a huge... Um, it wasn't... I don't. It was quite weird, actually. A lot of um, mixed emotions. Like, you're quite sad and, in, in a way, disappointed. But totally backing and understanding the decision that that was the best, best decision to be made. Um, but on the flip side of that, I saw it as, as a, as a opportunity also to have longer periods of time now to prepare. Um, you know, we, we, we know that we are not professional. We know that a lot of our squad is, um, either studying or working. So we don't get as much contact time as we would like. Um, so yeah, like you said, in terms of the series, that was a massive, uh, opportunity for growth as individuals and as a team, but um, now we've got a whole twelve extra months to try um, fill the gaps and, and prepare as best as we can, and hopefully those nations um, will still stay in it and, and come back for the next summer series next year. And, and Lisa, I mean, you, you say that we've got another twelve months, but do you think having another twelve months is, is a good thing, a bad thing? Uh, because obviously we were very set. Uh, uh, Robin would have had to submit his team now um so he would have been yeah. as close to selecting his team as possible you know how much of those plans do you think can change over the next 12 months or will it be more of a case of let's keep what we've got and just build slightly you know unfortunately the change means that somebody's going to miss out yeah but, um you know somebody else could benefit so, so so what do you think do you think this is overall beneficial to us or uh or a little bit uh disappointing well, it, it is a bit of a tough question. Thanks, Tyron. Um, <laughs> in, in, in my opinion, I, 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 from a training perspective, I do think the extra time will can only benefit us. Um, in terms of selection, I, I'm not quite sure what the process will be, if the team will stay the same. I, in my opinion, I highly doubt it because hopefully there is another IPT, which means then a, a new squad or you know the squad can be re-looked at and maybe people that are, are really performing can be included, which again can only benefit everyone because it's healthy competition pushing everyone to the max. So I, as a whole, think it can be a positive thing. Um, but again, of course, there is a downside if maybe the team does change. But unfortunately, yeah, we, we, we have no idea or indication of, of the final decisions on, on those aspects are. Lisa, what was it like with the games being postponed, it was almost inevitable over the last couple of weeks. It seemed as if they just were holding on for dear life in terms of trying to keep this thing alive for 2020. But from a player's point of view, I mean, there's two trains of thought because, uh, of course, you want to play. There's no question. Yeah. And, and the sooner the better, I could imagine. But there, there are the health risks, obviously. And, and, and it was amazing. Um, if you looked at the... The, uh, the progression 
in terms of changing of attitudes over the last month? Because initially, and I'm not just talking Olympics, I'm talking all major sports with major events. Initially, they were like, well, no, it mustn't be cancelled. The show must go on. And then as they started to realize the significance and the impact that uh, COVID-19 started to have in the health of people around the world, they said, well, it it can't continue. It it has to be canceled. And uh, is that pretty much how you went or or were you just holding thumbs uh, till the very end uh, for for Olympics to still take place? Um, To be honest, I was holding thumbs, um, especially in the beginning when when we didn't really understand the severity of of what was going on around the world. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. So the chances of making it and and continuing for longer periods of time now is a bit more difficult. Um, and the stress now of, of repeating this whole cycle again, of making the squad is a little bit, you know, intense again. So, um, I do think the, yeah, it was the best decision, um, from a personal perspective as well, again, I am a little bit of a scaredy cat. So um, when I heard that it was going to be postponed or that was the likely decision to be taken, I was quite happy from, of course, a health perspective. Um, but also as long as it wasn't cancelled was what was going through my mind. Like postponement can happen, but just please, please don't let it be cancelled. Yeah, and, and thankfully that, that wasn't the case. An interesting um, little quirk in that it will still be named Tokyo 2020, despite taking place in 2021. Yeah, um, it, it, it was an interesting thing. We actually met, um, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Catherine Granger. Have, have you heard of her, Derek? Uh, no, uh, I, could have, oh. I could have pretended and said yes. But please, oh, no, tell, us, tell us more. It gives us you, you more to talk about, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah she, she's she's the most decorated um, female um, GB athlete, and uh, oh. uh, yeah, she she's won five medals um, in in rowing at the Olympic Games, and uh, we like myself and and Kate, we were fortunate enough to meet her about what three weeks ago, just before lockdown, and she's on the the National Olympic Committee of GB, and she was just saying like. Unfortunately, they can't change the name because of all the merchandise that has been printed already. Yeah, so, I thought that was the case. It, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, they would lose way too much money. So I think it is quite cool. Um, it still has a, a. I don't know if you've seen the new logo now with twenty twenty one, where they put the one at the end. So it's quite it's quite nice in terms of keeping it the same. I think. Um, but yeah, it, it is a little bit weird. I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm involved with uh, motor racing quite a bit, and uh, I go to. Dakar every year and and there's another interesting quirk I mean people often bring it up in the fact that I mean it's been over a decade since it took place in Africa yet it's still named after a city in Senegal and uh, it hasn't touched (laughs) Africa again in in over a decade but uh, yeah it it makes perfect sense I mean you're talking about millions and millions of dollars that would go to waste in terms of that merchandising and also logos etc etc so yeah yeah um, and and yeah so, so Tokyo 2020 is still there just a, a year later. Yeah, thank God. That's what I'm saying. But um, yeah, I just think shame. They've got a huge task on their hands at the moment. Um, logistically, to get all the venues. I read an article the other day that some some venues already, they can't um, lock down for next year. So I think shame. They've got a huge task on their hands. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see. And hopefully everything does pass by then and it runs according to plan. You see, you... Uh brought it up yourself saying you're no spring chicken and you and I've had this chat before but um, you know having been to the 2008 Olympics the 2012 Olympics you would have gone to the 2016 but we're going to rather not talk about that yeah, and potentially the 2020 slash 2021 Olympics are you getting to the point where you're thinking of uh, hanging up that Osaka stick um, thanks, Tyron. Again, another tough one. Um, no, um, I'm, I'm not. As long as my body holds out, I'm going to try go um, for as long as possible. And um, as long as I warrant my spot and I'm still performing, um, I honestly don't believe that uh, age should play any role or, or have any factor in it. And um, to be fair, um, yeah, I, I just think uh, at the end of the day, if if I'm still able to. Why not? Well, and, and I'm going to follow that up with saying that, uh, you know, I've, I've obviously been following and writing about hockey in South Africa since 2010 and 
obviously I've seen you play many times and, and there's no doubt in my mind that some of the best hockey you've played has been in the more recent years. So it, it's not to say that you're slowing down or anything like that. In fact, your control of the game has probably improved. Your your uh, leadership in the teams have improved. So it, it becomes an interesting question for me. The reason I ask is because now Olympics 18 months away from a World Cup and actually a little bit less than that. Probably means that whoever the coach is, which obviously it's currently Robin and, and he has the contract for the World Cup, Whoever he takes to the Olympics is somebody is probably the team of players he'll look to take to the World Cup, give or take a few players. Um, and that's why I asked the question because you know there are a few players who have been around for a bit longer in the team yourself, yeah. Dirk Chamberlain, um, you know, and uh, you know Shelley Russell has not formally resi- uh, retired, so maybe a year puts her back in the picture. Um, you know, has there? Do you feel like maybe the delay is giving you an extra kick in your step because you know you've got to work harder, fight for a little bit more with the youngsters coming through and, and potentially get another World Cup under your belt as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I've never, ever had a, a, a point in my career where I've, I've rested and been like, oh, okay, my, my place is secure. I've always I've feared being dropped. I've, I've feared not being the fittest or in the top, you know, a few you can ask anyone in the team. I break my body pretty much to make sure that I, I'm there, you know. Um, so 18 months, yeah, it's a long time. But um, with age, I think I've gotten a bit wiser in terms of training smart. So I've got a lot of support in terms of bios, physios, um, share my poor mum. <laughs> That's pretty much helping me through it all as well. And support system from work in terms of school. So they have afforded me the opportunity to continue chasing my dream um, while coming in and working where I can. So I'm very, very fortunate in that. And, um, you know, we all know, if, uh, realistically, I think I could only push it until the World Cup. I think past that will be, I think, trying my luck. So I'm going to give it horns. Um, I think I owe it to myself over the years to, to try my best and and see how I can go for the next 18 to, say, 36 months. Yeah, and obviously we, we uh, as long as you are fit and, and fighting, we'll be happy to support you in the team. Thanks. So, uh, yeah, we're looking forward Thanks, to Aaron. that. <laughs> um, you know, we recently had Kim Huber on the on the, the podcast, and she had just celebrated her twentieth consecutive RPT. Yeah, I mean, you've played in a lot of RPTs for Southerns. You've probably won a few more than uh, Kim has has won as Northern Blues. Do you still get as excited for an RPT now as you did when you when you first broke onto the scene? Oh, 100%. Um, I, I'm not near where Kimmy is. Or, um, I'm only, I think, <laughs> if we play this year, I'll, I'll be on my 15th IPT, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but there's something about putting on that, uh, the the golden blue. And um, I've always been a Southern girl. I will always be a Southern girl. And there's just something about the province and the traditions that I, I can't wait for IPT, um, to be honest. And I think it's also great to be in an environment where the pressure's not on as, as, as hectically as it is in the national team and just playing with youngsters and a different bunch of girls all the time um, is just very exciting and it's quite refreshing as well at times. So to answer your question, yes, without a doubt, Tyron, um, I'm just as excited as playing this one, hopefully, as, as I was playing my first one. All right, and also for the national team, you've played under uh, Giles who uh, wanted to play about 150 test matches a year. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you played under um, um, Sheldon Rostron and you've now played under Robin van Ginkel. Could you categorize the major differences between the three in a very sort of shortened? Well, don't forget my first coach was Jen King as well. Yes, um, apologies to Jen. <laughs> no, no stress. No, um, I think, well, starting with Jen, let's say, um, I think she did... A, a very good job with, with what we had. We were very fortunate to be sponsored with, um, we'll have a sponsorship from SPA. Um, so we played quite a few tests, which was awesome. And, and I'm very thankful, you know, for the opportunities she gave me at such a young age. Then came along, um, Joel came along, which like you said, he wanted to play like 150 tests in one year, which um, for me, I think out of my whole career, each coach has taught me a lot of things. Um, even though, you know, at the moment, Rob's is quite, his career with us has been, um, you know, only beginning. Um, but Giles has been the most impactful on my career, I would say, um, 
not just learning about hockey, but life skills as well. Um, you know, he taught you to be quite hard and be able to, as we say, you know, have that cup of cement and keep going. So that was a different, a very different aspect that we got in comparison to all the other coaches, to be honest. Um, Sheldon also was very um, influential in my career in terms of just, I think, giving a little bit more um, freedom in terms of, of being able to express yourself. Um, so, yeah, they, they are very different. And Rob, Rob for me, is completely, totally opposite to what we're used to with Sheldon and, and, and Giles in terms of there's a lot of player input. Um, you know, he wants a very positive environment um, and just one where everyone isn't afraid to ask um, isn't afraid to make mistakes and just keep growing. So they have been very different, um, if that answers the question. No, absolutely. And, and you know, you brought up uh, uh, Rob now. So we've seen the launch of the RVG Academy, and we want to talk about one of the videos in particular there. <laughs> um, there is the trick of the day where you scoop the ball from one side of the swimming pool yeah. and you force it <laughs> on the other side. So the first question is, how many takes did it take? About and, 150. Uh, <laughs> and how many times did you end up in the pool? Not once, actually. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, yeah, but it did take me about, um, okay, I'm being a little bit dramatic, but I'd say about 40 times um, to do that. Shame. Um, Cara was recording it, and she actually had to take about three breaks because she was like, I can't. I'm going to have no space in my phone. Um, but, yeah, no, it's been lots of fun. Um you know, recording those as you as you mentioned, and um, I hope people are trying it. Um, one of my friends said, "Why don't I do it for the length of the pool instead of the width?" And I thought that's a little bit um, adventurous. So for, I'll stick well, with my vision for now. For the for the well, uninitiated, yeah, I was going to say for the uninitiated, can you can you explain what exactly it entails? And and the uninitiated, I include myself here. Oh, so you just place the ball on, on the side of the pool, and um, you. How do you explain? Yeah, you scoop it up in the air, so with one motion, and then you have to run around the pool and catch it on the other side before it lands on the ground. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Jeez, uh, <laughs> length, lengthways would have been very, very impressive, but uh, yeah. uh, uh, sideways, uh, equally so. And, and sorry, where can they see the videos? It is on Instagram, oh. on uh, the RVG Academy Instagram um, page. Yeah, you can catch a whole bunch of national players doing some tricks of the day and stuff and try it out and tag yourself and see how you do. Go yeah, actually, right I think we're going to put that challenge out there for Derek. Yeah. Um, Derek <laughs> once the lockdown is done, we'd like you to uh, flick the ball up from the one side of the swimming pool. No, I can actually do it. Yeah, I can actually it. do it yeah, at, the, at the pool. So that's okay. Uh, okay. So I can even do, do it during play. lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a jolly great idea. And I think, Tyron, maybe you should match Derek too. Uh, I, I do, but agree. just you must you must know that the pool that I have is my three-year-old son's pool, which is a black one. And it'll <laughs> take me two steps to get to the other side. <laughs> okay. Fair, but that'll fair. make great content. You must understand. Um, we are, Lisa, we sit in a, in a, in a, unique situation in terms of our friends with uh, regard to their athletic prowess. So, for instance, we've got people like you who, who are able to do those types of things. And we've got another friend of ours whose name is uh, Michael Arthur, who's actually a hockey player as well. He, he plays for the EPE senior men's side. Uh, is that right, Tyler? Uh, the master's men's The master's men's side, okay. And uh, he's released a series of videos, and we actually put one out today, um, where he does training for those with dad bods. And today's video, he was, he was training people on how to work their neck muscles. And what he did was he used two bottles of tequila, one being warm and the other one being ice cold. And the ice cold one, it can't work your neck muscles because when you drink it, it's fine. It has no reaction to your body. When you drink the warm one, you know, you immediately pull your neck. And he says you can probably yeah. get about three or four neck pulls with each tot of tequila. So, yeah, so, so, so on the oh, one side, we've got you busy passing yourself a hockey ball across a, a swimming pool. And then we've got Mike, who's uh, busy showing us how to drink tequila. Well, apparently that's what um, I must look forward to now, you know, reaching the master's age. So I'm a little bit nervous of things yeah. like that. Hey, man, the Masters World Cup is coming to South Africa, maybe in this year, maybe next year. Okay. Um, so we could always see, uh, you know, once you're done with, uh, which is still in a long time, but once you're done with uh, the senior national team, you can move on to the master's national team. Yeah, we'll have to see, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, 
In your career, obviously, 267 caps. I mean, I know you remember everyone in detail. Um, (laughs) Do you have a game or a a series? Let's start with a game first, a game that stands out in your memory as as just one you'll never forget. Sure, only one. Hmm. You can pick two or three. Um... Yeah, I would say when we played the Investec um, Challenge in twenty was it twenty thirteen, um, we beat England four one if I'm not mistaken. Where Bernie scored, scored an absolute of a cracker goal, and uh, I'll never forget that game. Yeah, we absolutely dominated them, and we drew also to the Netherlands two two in that series. And then um, I think the game that stands out for everyone that's been in the cycle for the last I'd say five years would be beating um, India at the Olympic qualifier in uh, in Delhi uh, in the finals qualifier for the 2012 Olympics. I think that's definitely a special one. Yeah, absolutely. As fans, we'll never forget that. And we even asked Shelley Russell to reenact her goal celebration <laughs> because it was something that was truly memorable. Um, you know, and also the, the challenge of, once again, being hockey that is not always seen by uh, Sascock in the, the nicest way you know, we had to qualify twice. We felt like the odds were stacked against us. So I can imagine being part of that team must have been something special. Yeah, it was very special. But I think also I've never experienced pressure like that in my life, to be mm. honest. Um, the prep we had, I mean, we ate, slept and breathed hockey um, for, I think, at least three to four months leading up to that event. And then, yeah, we had a few, um, I don't know if Chile let you know, but we had a few challenges on tour where, where people got daily belly and got ill and Pitty got a virus and had to be contained in a room and sure. yeah, a few things were going um, against us but at the end we were lucky enough to, to be able to pull, pull the win at the end. Brilliant. And uh, then let's look at series. I mean obviously you've got the Olympic Games in 2008 and uh, 2012. Uh, you've got a couple of World Cups under your, your, your belt obviously playing in Holland and uh, where were we last year? Uh, England. Yeah. Um, and obviously, obviously, uh, I forget the Commonwealth Games as well. You've travelled around the world, but is there a series that particularly stands out for you? Um, I would say the 2008 Olympic Games. Um, yeah, that that event and was massive. Um, the village was massive. The just everything was done at such a huge scale and magnitude that. Um, I think Shelly and myself were walking around with our jaws dragging on the ground half of the time. Um, and then, of course, stepping out onto the field for the first match, just, um, it was, it's everything that everyone dreams of. You know, you want to make an Olympic Games and it came true. And it was just a, a, a moment we'll never, like, I could never ever forget, to be honest. And if you look at the, the Olympic Games, is there any uh, sort of person that you got to meet at the two Olympic Games you've been at that would just left you completely starstruck? Um, I would say, sure, Fedra. We met Fedra in 2012 and had oh, a photo wow. with him. Yeah, that was quite cool. Um, and then we did chase um, Phelps down in 2008 with an Adele for photos, <laughs> but they weren't as friendly as said was in 2012 so those are the ones that we kind of stalked a bit is it is it strange because you always think you expect that from fans and and then you, you're there obviously as a competitor as an athlete but then on the other hand you, you're also a fan of of superstars on the sporting world and and, and do, you, do you think to yourself ah you know i've got to keep my distance a little bit because theoretically we are equals uh, we are both competing here. Or do you think, well, to hell with it. That's my only shot. Uh, let me go have a photo with Roger Federer. <laughs> no, I think in the beginning, you are kind of like, okay, act cool, be cool, take a deep breath, it's all going to be okay. Um, but I think as the event goes on and you see how, you know, everyone does start to interact a little bit more. Um, shame, a lot of the, the more higher profiles athletes do get harassed by, by a lot of the athletes or, or people that are working within the village, then you try not to disturb them too much and try to catch them on like a, a quiet moment. Um, so I'm not, I'm also quite shy. So I don't like walking up to people asking for, for photos, but if they were alone and I really, really wanted one, then I did ask like we did with, with Fed for the team. Um, and I think also just playing the, hey, we're South African, you half South African, why not have a photo? <laughs> did play into our hands a little bit. 
So, yeah. Lisa, tell us a little bit more about the Olympic Village. We've had a, a couple of guests on the show where we have asked, and, and it's also always fascinated me. I, I've read some very interesting stories about the Olympic Village, particularly uh, towards the tail end of the Olympics, where athletes are able to let their hair down a little bit, uh, the events are closing, and uh, maybe have a drink, uh, maybe have a bit of a party. Uh, did you experience uh, that side of things, or was it just match, match, match? Um, no, no, no. Of course, at the end, I think we, we're very fortunate that hockey, when it ends, generally you have quite, uh, like, I'll say three, four, maybe five days um, to really soak up, you know, the environment, go watch events um, uh, before the closing ceremony, you have to come home. So um, I would say, yeah, Beijing was the one where we did definitely experience the, the after or the nightlife, should I say. Um, a lot of uh, countries host parties. So like uh, the USA host a Heineken uh, party at the Heineken house. Um, so that did take place and everyone goes. And yeah, like you say, not going to divulge into um, details, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's years and years of prep and people do um, let their, their hair down and go a little bit uh, crazy. But uh, we were contained. We were, we were very behaved. So enjoyed ourselves. And uh, no, like you said, it, 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 it's just an experience you can't really actually describe unless you're there. But um, it's, it's quite wild. <laughs> Lisa, I think, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, we could probably chat to you about uh, about the Olympics for hours and hours and hours, and you could tell us some beautiful stuff, but we'll allow you to rather keep those for the memory banker for those who enjoyed it. However, I do want to ask you one more Olympic-based question, and that is, do you remember your one Olympic goal? Yes, I do. Awesome. In do 2012. Yes. It was against Japan for the 9 and 10 playoff and Kate Hector beefied the ball, hit it, and I tipped it in. Beautiful. So you will always have, you know, the, uh, you know, no matter what happens in uh, Tokyo next year, you have an Olympic goal to your name. Um, I don't see that anywhere on your LinkedIn or Facebook profile, you know, Olympic <laughs> goal scorer. No, well, it's, it's only one. So, like, <laughs> if I was a pitcher, you could see her scoring a hundred of those at Olympic Games, I think you have something to brag about. But yeah, <laughs> no, I'm, like I said, I'm very shy. So I don't like um, bragging or putting stuff like that up. Do you, have, yeah. do you have a middle name? No, my, my name's Double Barrel, Lisa Marie. Yeah, Lisa Marie. Well, there's always yeah. time to, to add a middle name there. Uh, <laughs> I'm Lisa <scared>. Marie, <laughs> Olympic gold scorer Dietlifs. I think it's no. a nice ring to it. That's awful. You, you must know that Derek Mons played uh, provincial badminton and he won one point. He lost 21-1, but he does tell people that he was a provincial point-winning badminton player. Yeah, but that's awesome. It's one more than nothing. So, you know. Thank you. <laughs> you see, what exactly. I'm saying. <laughs> Small victories, Karen. Small victories. There we go. Uh, it's fine. The, the first sport I played provincially people still argue with me to say it's not a sport it was chess. So, um, yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, it's fine. I played provincial hockey the same year, so it was okay. I got away with it. Yeah, that's awesome. But I played for Eastern Cup, so it didn't really count. Of course it counts. Don't be rude. <laughs> but, uh, I love my province, but uh, we were probably Senegal having B team, but it was fine. I tell you what, I'll, exactly. I'll take you. I'll take you on in a game of chess, but on condition that you first do half an hour of the neck training exercises that uh, Michael Arthur's uh, given us. Sure, but you know, Derek, I'll play left-handed just to make it fair. Getting a bit heated, yeah. I'm a bit uh, nervous. <laughs> uh, there's, there's only good stuff here. Um, all right, Lisa. So, so obviously now. Currently, the, the, the future is very uncertain. Uh, yeah. We don't know what's going to happen from a club point of, uh, point of view. You know, Southerns may potentially scrap the league and rather just do some sort of cuts depending how long uh, the lockout runs. Um, there is also an African indoor cup that will pull players away. We don't know when it's going. You know, how's the communication been between the teams, both from a national level and from a club level? in terms of what's going to happen, what, what the plans are, et cetera, et cetera? Um, well, we have gotten communication from Saha and um, from our clubs relating also to, to Southerns. Um, 
just with the fact that no decisions can actually be made until we know when the lockdown will end and what's going to happen. So um, there are meeting apparently regularly um, to to see, you know, the progression and what's going on at that point in time. Um, but of course, the longer it goes on, the chances, like you're saying, of it being cancelled are quite high. So we are being informed and as soon as decisions are made, they, they will let us know accordingly and as soon as possible. And um, obviously from a, a away from hockey, a professional point of view, are you able to carry on with business as unusual as possible? Uh, yeah, I'm, I am employed at uh, St. Andrew's School for Girls and uh, we've actually been currently still um, working online with the girls until the official holiday, which starts on the 9th of April this month. Okay. Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, we've been remote learning for the last, what, the second week now, next week will be the third, or this week will be the third, sorry. And uh, after that, we have been told to prep for the next three weeks, just in case of the second term. Um, so we are, you know, we've covered bases in terms of that. Uh, but again, when we go back to school, we have no idea and we'll just have to wait and see. But we've got plans in place if we don't. All right. And uh, coming to coming to the end, before I hand over to Derek for a one-question quiz, Hockey Fives is on a little bit of a rise here. I don't know if you've yeah. uh, played in a little bit of a Hockey Fives game yet. Yes, yes. Um, Southern Trappers, yes. Okay, it. awesome. So, so what I was thinking is, Based on your career, and let's just go with national teammates here. I'd love you to pick a dream hockey five team, and obviously each person that you can pick, you can pick them as if they were currently in their peak. So, for example, if you were to pick a Petey Kutzier, you don't have to pick twenty twenty Petey Kutzier. You could pick whenever she was scoring her most goals, which was nineteen ninety seven to to twenty seventeen. I think she scored yeah all the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, who would be your sure. hockey fives? Okay, so any one that I played with. Yeah. Okay, I would say Marsha. Okay. Um, do the five include me, or is it five and me? Uh, let's go five and you. Okay, so I'll say Marshy. I'll say Shelley. Um, I'll say Kristen Payton. Yeah. Um, sure. This is tough. <laughs> I'd say Silla. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say Kathleen Taylor. Okay, and I think uh, that would be an incredibly difficult team to beat. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it would be quite a nice team. <laughs> we should make our own league. <laughs> you, might, you might have to uh, rotate who stands in goals, though. No, we'll play with, with no goalie. Ah, there you go. Yeah, only field players. <laughs> <laughs> All right, over to you. Uh, yeah, before I get into the question, I've got to ask, Lisa, you mentioned Catherine Granger a little earlier. And uh, what was that meeting like and, and how did it come about? Because, you know, having read up on her, I mean, she, she's quite an accomplished athlete. Yeah, um, she's actually friends with our current manager of the national side. And... Uh, uh, we met her there at her house, and uh, she was actually there with another lady called Sarah Winkless, which was she was, if I'm not mistaken, her her um, her partner in the pair in one of the rowing events. And uh, yeah, it, it was phenomenal. To be honest, when we heard the story of, of what she's achieved, like you said, when you when you Google her, it's, it's mind boggling. And she's released two books and what she's gone through to get to where she was and where she is now and what she has achieved. I mean, it's it's remarkable and. Uh, just an absolute, yeah, she's actually a dame. Yeah, you she see is. That yeah, I well. did, yeah. Dame Catherine yeah, Jane so Granger, DBE. It's, it's phenomenal. And, I mean, we just sat there listening to all the stories and, uh, and experiences, and it, it sends a little bit of, um, you know, shivers down the spine to, to hear, especially if you, I think if you watch the, her race at um, the London Olympics, how she prepped for years, and every day she knew exactly how many split seconds she had to take off. So that by the time, you know, her home Olympic event came, she would be able to win that race. So it, it was just phenomenal hearing from a different athlete, uh, you know, a different sporting code, what they go through in order to achieve their dreams. And then getting the gold medal. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's absolutely phenomenal. I was a bit bummed, though, that she didn't have a medal to show me. But you know what, Vegas <laughs> can't be choosing. <laughs> did, uh, did, it, did you take quite a bit out of it? I mean, uh, did it change your mindset a little bit heading towards... Tokyo 2020 in a year's time, of course. But 
being in the presence of someone who has achieved so much, and, and you said being able to retell stories, and I'm not talking from a personal point of view in terms of oh, the, the fun stuff, but in terms of the dedication, and, and like you mentioned, being able to know every day what the targets are and to go with it with exact precision. Um, yeah, did that change the outlook for you slightly? 100%. Uh, you know, she was, I think if I'm not mistaken, 36 when she came back for the Rio Olympics. And for me, of course, I relate to that because, like I said, I'm not the spring chicken in the team anymore. And just so a lot of my questions were based on, you know, how did you stay motivated for so long? How did you go through those grueling training sessions day in and day out without breaking, you know, mentally and physically? Um, so she did give me a lot of things that she did and things to assist her in the process, which really, you know, is beneficial and, and, and has been beneficial um, already in such a short period of time. So, you know, it, it, it was, like I said, it was a remarkable experience, a learning, you know, curve for me as well in terms of what I should and shouldn't do and how to do it. So, yeah, I'm, I was very grateful and lucky to have met her and Sarah. Before I get to that one question quiz, I've got one more fairly serious question to ask, and I love doing this to, to people that have been involved in, in a specific team for so long, over 200 caps for yourself in the SA side, having seen so many coaches come and go, so many teammates come and go. And there's the common argument that says um, a happy squad is a winning squad or is it a, a winning squad that's a happy squad? And and I've spoken to people in the past who have been involved uh, for many, many years in specific sports teams. And and I'd, I'd bring up moments where they, they won trophies, etc. And they said, you know, it, it was cool, but it was a byproduct of the environment that they were in, in that yeah. they absolutely loved the environment. The, the teammates, of course, not everyone's friends. You're not going to have best friends everywhere you go. He says, but just something was about that squad. Or, or, or she would say there's something. And, and did you find that, I mean, over the years where you can look back and say, geez, we were winning then. But also, if you look back at that squad, how well we got on or how well we trained, everyone had a common purpose, a common goal. No, 100%. I think the, the, the easiest one to, to relate to would be, you know, the past um, uh, cycle with Giles, where we pretty much lived together. Um, we were based in Amsterdam uh, in the 2014 uh, in that year, I think we were at home for, I think, 86 days before September, um, which is nothing in comparison to, you know, how it's been. And just the way the team gelled, I think the fact that you all have a common goal and a common purpose really brought that squad together. And like you say, it's, it's not that everyone has to be friends, but you're all driven by the same thing. You're all working just as hard as the next person to achieve that. And, and I think the greatest thing in that squad was no one wanted to let the next person down. So... We always held each other accountable. We always made sure that we were at our peak um, because we knew as a unit we could only function as best as that weakest link and no one wanted to be that weak link. Um, so I, I can totally agree and, and, and relate to that, that it, it is the team environment that, that plays a huge and massive role in, in success. Well, just imagine if you've got this tightly knit unit that's currently uh, taking part for South Africa on the hockey front um, with an Olympics having been moved by an entire year with coronavirus destroying the sporting front. I mean, you, you can't get more galvanized than uh, what the hardships that you're currently enduring now. So you can no, imagine, what, so you can imagine what, what this could possibly do to the team uh, within 365 days and we'll look back and think, geez, you know, we were going through the toughest of tough times and look where we stand now. No, 100%. And, and I think what's great about the new squad as well is that it is a combination of, of, of young and experienced. And, you know, um, the up-and-coming um, juniors are really some such exciting talent coming through. And it's different. It is a different vibe. It is a different, you know, the way things run a bit. But that's what's exciting and challenging, I think. And, and like you say, knowing that the Olympics is happening. And yes, maybe it's a bit late than what we all expected, but it, it, it can only, you know, motivate us to, to be better. And, and our team has got a nice vibe to it at the moment and it can only get better with more time, I think. So it is exciting, nerve-wracking, but very exciting for what lies ahead. I really, yeah, I don't think anyone can, can wait to get back on the field training with each other and uh, just going uh, towards Tokyo for next year. Oh, I'm very glad. If you had to say, well, well, Derek uh, gets his question. If you had to say, which one of your current teammates is uh, the most likely to complete a marathon in their back garden? Who do you think it would be? Aaron Hunter. 
<laughs> yeah, she she may do it because uh, Derek and I actually have a friend who's planning on doing it. He has about a ten meter, maybe a twenty meter long garden, and he's planning on running a marathon on Saturday. No, oh, longer, wow. longer. It's an ultra marathon. So, oh, he wants to run the ultra. Okay. Yeah, so he was. <laughs> oh, wow, respect. He was. He was going to do Loscop, uh, the the Loscop ultra. Uh, which is in about a week and a half's time, but obviously that's not happening. So originally we spoke about him doing the uh, Two Oceans because that's in a week and a half's time as well. And he's not too big a fan of the Two Oceans. And uh, he said, no, he'd rather do Lost Corp because that's the race that he was going to do. So he's going to do it on Saturday sure. in a small little garden, and it's a distance of 50, uh, 50Ks. And, uh, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, is, that is a little bit... Um Sure, that's a challenge and a half. I think if I had to run it in my garden, my garden is like a square of two by two meters of grass, so that would never happen. You might go crazy then. Yeah, I might get dizzy and fall over. I can guarantee you, though, you ask him to flick a hockey ball over a pool and catch it on the other side, and uh, we'll be here in a week's time, still waiting for him to to get that done once. So he would turn it into (laughs) he, he would turn it into a biathlon. He, he, because he, does, he would be in the pool. Yeah, he does. He does his uh, his marathons in his back garden. You do your pool flicks, and then I get my one point in badminton. All of us. Uh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Checkmate. Um, okay, Lisa. Time for our one question quiz. Now, I want to know. Lisa Marie Presley has had four husbands over the course of her um, lifetime. I want you to name. Two of them. I only know Michael Jackson. I know. And there's another one who's also very well known. He's an, act- mm. he's an actor. Isn't mm. his name appropriate, if I'm thinking of the right guy, isn't his name appropriate for the current situation? Very much so. Actually, brilliant. Uh, very much so. His, his surname. Nicholas Cage. Hey, well done. Congratulations. <laughs> I Googled it. <laughs> There's no way I would have gotten that. <laughs> to tell you what, I'm more impressed with Tyron that he knew. I didn't actually know that. I didn't know it was Nicholas Cage. I, uh, I yeah, you, I have some did, weird knowledge in my head. <laughs> no, I didn't Google it. I uh, when you said Michael Jackson, Nicholas Cage popped into my head. You're oh. lying now. No, I'm so serious. But I know some weird stuff. We'll give you half for honesty, Lisa Marie. Okay, thank you. <laughs> That's more than many have got, I promise you. They've been very, very tough and many have failed. Okay, that's good. At least I got half a point. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely half more than Shelly Raffle got. So yes. What was Shelly's question? No, Derek asks some random questions, you know. He looks, listens, takes your name. Find someone. I'm sure with Shelly, it was something about well, who did your brother score his first try for South Africa again? Oh, shame. Yeah, I think it was something along those lines. <laughs> shame. No, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> shame. Oh, um, Lisa Marie, it's been phenomenal chatting to you. Thank you so much for joining joining us uh, during the lockdown. No, thank you. And thank you, Tyron Aswell. It's been awesome. Yeah, fantastic stuff. And, and good luck for the rest of the lockdown and, and obviously for whatever plans come after the lockdown. The the sporting world may look very different, but uh, we're sure that you'll still be as impactful for South Africa as you can here. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And keep safe. And um, I'm sure we'll we'll hear or see, from, see you guys quite soon. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. Uh, yeah, keep safe as well. And uh, remember, to, to, to there's always time to change that middle name, hey? Or get one. <laughs> Okay, I'll think about it. <laughs> cheers, Thank Lisa. you. All right, cheers, Bye. Lisa. Bye. Oh, fantastic stuff. Cheese, uh, what an athlete, Aaron. Yeah, what an athlete. And, uh, you know, I'm so glad that we've learned more about, uh, about, uh, more about hockey, more about what people are going through in the lockdown, and, of course, more about you and your great badminton skills. <laughs> Yeah, I'll do a video of that soon. Oh, God. God. Yeah, look, I am I am looking forward to your over the pool challenge. I am definitely going to do it with my son's blood pool. No, look, I, it does interest me. I won't lie. Um, not to the hockey ball. I, I'd be absolutely useless. But um, I, 
Like even, even kicking a rugby ball. Okay. Did you see um, there's a video uh, doing the rounds about two or three days ago of the Dupree brothers in training. So they had a drone above their house. Uh, I think it was in, in KZN. And it's a big, big house. And they were passing a rugby ball to each other over the house. Whack. Yeah, so the drone was capturing it. So you had this massive roof, and you just see this ball get tossed from one side to the other. And they were passing it, hey? It wasn't kicking. <laughs> I, I also saw um, the, uh, the Carlos Spencer one with his uh, son. Oh, no, I haven't throwing, seen it. Oh, my word. So they stand on their patio, and they're throwing the ball backwards. And trying to get it into a, um, a, a netball or basketball hoop. Yeah. And uh, his sons can't do it. And he just grabs the ball. And on like his fourth try. Oof, wow. <laughs> and I mean, we're talking 20, 30 meters away. Going yes. backwards. Superb. But uh, just speaking of great lockdown content. I mean, there was an article up on Sports 24-7 the other day that I wrote about some of the great content. And obviously, we, we mentioned Michael Arthur. We, it would be remiss of us not to mention hashtag creatine cow. Yeah, what a legend. <laughs> um, if you want to find out more about creatine cow, they are being shared on Derek's uh, social media. So that's Derek Albert's one. The one is in memory of the one point he got on the badminton steel. <laughs> yeah, go have a check out at Creatine Carl. He's uh, the butt of all butts, and he's giving us daily tips on, on how to train indoors while we're under lockdown. Um, and yeah, it's, it's the, the, again, complete contrast to what we see uh, Michael Arthur give us, but uh, it's just as funny. No, it's fantastic stuff, and then, Obviously, there is a little hockey element somewhere in there. If you watch all of the videos, see if you can find it. And if you can't, doesn't matter. You still have some good time watching it. <laughs> Tyron, it's been great as always. It's uh, unfortunate that we can't be doing this in person. But uh, yeah, hopefully that comes sooner rather than later. But uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure as always. And how great was Lisa? It was uh, fantastic having her. But uh, yeah, no doubt next time we join... Uh, together, we'll be joined by another great guest. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll definitely try and get a few interviews in for everyone during lockdown because we know um, you know that you're either uh, doing homeschooling for your kids or desperate for a little bit of an escape. And that's exactly what we'll aim to give you here. So you can go check out all previous 31, 32 episodes and uh, there's a few good ones coming up. So check them out and... We'll see you all soon. Yes, yeah, going to be some crackers. Cheers.